Red Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Welcome everyone, the Bastards are back for this midweek edition of the podcast. We are downloaded in over 30 countries across the globe and available on every major media platform. For everyone listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show if you have not already. Nothing you do will help us more immensely. As always, a quick disclaimer for any first-time listeners, this is not a Homer podcast. We call it how we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. When they are getting destroyed, we will be critical and at times savagely blunt. If you are easily offended, press the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, let's get rolling. The Red Sox just wrapped up a three-game set against the Toronto Blue Jays, winning the series dramatically two games to one. They are currently atop the AL East by one and a half games over the Toronto Blue Jays. Once again, I am Terry Cushman coming to you from Lewiston, Maine. You can harass me on Twitter at CushmanMLB. You can also find the podcast account at Bastards underscore Boston. And if you want to send us some hate mail via email, you can do that at BastardsOfBoston, all one word, at gmail.com. And you can submit your hot takes for the Hot Take Tuesday episode right there as well. Joining me tonight from the nation's capital by way of Newport, Rhode Island, Job Goddard. Job, how are you? Doing great. It was a great way to uh, to end the series there with, with that home run and then Matt Barnes closing the door. So much better than I thought I was going to be 20 minutes ago. A little bit of a late start here, so let's make it a quick show. And uh, just one quick thing, Terry. As of right now, because of the Red Sox winning that game, Red Sox are one game above Tampa, one and a half above New York, two and a half above Toronto. Two and a half above Toronto. Okay, so it's one and a half over the New York Yankees. My bad. Yeah, and one again, one ahead of Tampa. And one ahead of Tampa. Okay, so it's it's razor thin in the American League East. Job, where can they find you on Twitter? People can find me at Job MLB. That's J O B M L B. As always, no job applications. Thank you. <laughs> also joining us tonight, uh, coming off the bench, Doug James from the Bastards Investigate episode. Andrew Dwan having a family event to attend. Doug, I want to say you're from Syracuse, or is it right outside of Syracuse? It's outside of Syracuse, Utica, New York. Uh, Utica. Probably not a lot of people have heard of it. Yeah, Utica. But a lot of people, I'm sure, hasn't heard of that. So Syracuse, everyone knows where Syracuse is. So I just tell people I'm from Syracuse. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes it's easier. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, good. And where can they find you again on Twitter? They can find me at DJR036. DJR036. Excellent. Yeah. So... Dramatic series against a team that could potentially end up winning the American League East. The Toronto Blue Jays uh, gave us a a good fight, and they had two crop pitchers starting the series and still nearly took it from us. But 
Uh, we'll get into the, the heroics of the uh, eighth inning shortly, or ninth inning, I should say, actually. Um, just quick thoughts, though, and I know, Doug, you're going to have some. That stadium in Dunedin, oh, I I can't wait for the Blue Jays to move out of that. It's like playing in a little league park. I mean, I've played at stadiums local that are bigger than that. It's ridiculous. Um, tonight's the last night, so they'll be moving to Buffalo after tonight. But my goodness, what a terrible place to play a Major League Baseball game. Like, be better, MLB. Be better, Toronto. That, that's ridiculous. I'm sorry. Job, any thoughts? Yeah, I a couple of thoughts. One, the stands aren't high enough to, to shade the outfield. Why are you playing a big league game in a park that's not made for it? Two, it was extremely difficult to play with, with that wind. All three games of the series, the wind going straight out to right on their short porch. Right fielders were having a tough time reading the ball on both sides. The home field advantage there is crazy uh, for Toronto. So I'm, I'm happy to get out of there, especially with the series win. And I'm glad they're not playing any more games there. That's terrible. Yeah, it's just frustrating to me as well. I, I know this is kind of a touchy subject, but we're having Fenway Park open up to full capacity, and the Blue Jays can't even play at the Rogers Center. I mean, come on. That, that's just absolutely crazy. Uh, I'm glad we don't have to go back there. Um, they'll be in Buffalo. A Twitter person made an interesting observation. if hypothetically, and, and it's a it's a big hypothetical at the moment, if the Blue Jays get to the World Series, are there going to be World Series games in Buffalo? In a non-major league Baltimore. stadium? Just play it. <laughs> Just play at Camden at that point. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen any games at Camden. I've been to three games at Camden in the last, as the last month. It's like AL East South for everybody. It's a home game for the opponent every single time. So just put it at Camden Yards. Let's just see some World Series games at Camden. There we go. I uh, I agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah. It was just, uh, you know, when he brought it up, I thought, oh, you know, that's interesting. But getting into the series now, studs and duds. Job, you're in the leadoff position. Who is your stud for this Red Sox-Toronto series? My stud is going to be Bobby Dahlbeck. Um, he's been a dud for me, I want to say, three different times on the season so far, but he had a good series. I don't have his exact series numbers in front of me because I was focused on today's home run uh, in the top of the second inning. But he did strike out a fair bit. He had five strikeouts in the series, which not ideal. That's what we're now going to expect from Dahlbeck. What I do know is that in his last I want to say 15 games. Bobby Dahlbeck is on an absolute tear. He's hitting 327 in those games, which, granted, not a lot of that bat. I'm going to give you the numbers right now. That is, in his last seven games, 23 at-bats, eight hits, 10 RBIs, two walks, three home runs, only eight strikeouts, one stolen base for a 348 average. He's absolutely heating up. And you just watch the game. With him at the bottom of the order actually making contact with the ball, the team is so much more dangerous. It takes a lot of pressure off the top of the lineup. And when they don't have it, like they didn't have it in this series necessarily. I mean, J.D. was the big hero, but he didn't necessarily have it the whole, ser- you know, the whole series. He went one for nine in the first two games. When Dahlbeck can hit, 
and and be a force that maybe in other lineups would be a seven hitter, a six hitter. It, it transforms the entire team. So I, I love Dahlbeck in this series. I'd like to see more of him, but he's only hitting 088 against right-handed pitching, and that needs to change. I don't know exactly how you do that with him playing every day, but he needs a serious tweak against right-handed pitching. Doug, thoughts on Dahlbeck? Yeah, I've been impressed with Dahlbeck. Um, I'm glad the Red Sox didn't give up on him because I was kind of down on Dahlbeck, and I was thinking, well, maybe we could improve at first base a little bit, but he's been really good, like like Job said, over the last seven games, or what is it, 15 games, but he's been really good. Um, that home run today was great, um, opposite way. When he goes the opposite field, he's so much better. And so when you notice he goes the opposite, that's when he's clicking, when he goes the opposite way. And this series, he did that. Um, he gives you a really solid uh, defense at first. So I've been pleasantly surprised with the reemergence of Dahlbeck. I'm happy. Hopefully he stays that way. But like Job said, he does have to start doing better against right-handers. So hopefully that'll change. But I've been impressed with Dahlbeck, and he had a really, really good series. He's coming on, and he's no longer an automatic out, and that was a big complaint for several of us for much of the season, not getting any production out of that bottom third. But when a couple of them are hitting, just tonight in the in the bottom of the ninth, a, a do-or-die situation, Dahlbeck gets on, Chavis gets on. So you got two guys getting it done right there, and you're going to win a lot more ball games like that. If if this was a few weeks ago, we lose tonight. The, this game is in the toilet, and we lose the game, we lose the series. So I like to see it from Dahlbeck. He's rifling the ball. He's not one of those all-or-nothing power hitters, and that's what I've wanted to see the whole time. Like Job says, hopefully he'll start to increase his production against right-handed hitters. But just looking at his presence at the plate and his demeanor, even when he's at first, big improvement. He doesn't have that constantly defeated look on his face, and I love to see it. Doug, who's your – Yeah, he's actually oh, up – uh, One more thing there. He's actually up to 140 against righties. I just spoke when I said 088. He's up to 140, which is, you know, drastically different. 60 points higher in the last two weeks, 11 for 77. But his on-base percentage with guys on base and his slugging percentage with guys on base is through the roof right now. It's up to about 590, which is about 200 points higher than it was for the first month of the season when anytime anybody was on base, he was an automatic out. And Terry, you made a really good point about his demeanor changing. He doesn't look defeated anymore. And that was one of the things that was driving me crazy. It's like, you, you can't look that way, Bobby. Just stick with it. And he has, and I've been, you know, he's done a really, really good job the last couple of weeks. So hats off to him for sticking to it. Absolutely. Who's your stud for the series, Doug? So my stud for the series is Kike Hernandez. You know, coming off the IL, he went six for 13 in the series with a home run, a double, drove in three runs and scored three runs. He just brings so much energy to this club. And this lineup is a better lineup with a minute. Of course, I would love to see him a little walk a little bit more, being in the leadoff spot. But his average is over 260 now. We just need that on base to come up a little bit. But coming off an injury, I think he had a heck of a series. So Kike's my stud for the series. Yeah, I mean, can't argue with that. He had two home runs in his game at AAA right before coming up. So he's very clearly feeling good uh, seeing the baseball well. 
but he went, you know, two for five, three for five, one for four. Those numbers I don't love. So if you remove the, you know, remove the runs batted in from that, I don't necessarily love the numbers. What I do love is I love that with guys on, he's starting to really put the ball in play. Um, his batting average with balls in play is pretty low. It's about 240. Um, that should come up a little bit. Um, that's about 20 points lower than league average. So that should come up a little bit, and he'll be a real force. And, you know, like Doug said, if he can walk more, the top of the lineup's going to be really, really dangerous. I don't expect him to hit at the top of the lineup for a long, you know, in the near future, I expect a big shake up there. But we're about 50 games in. That's where Cora starts to shake the lineup up. And we're coming up on that 50 game mark uh, shortly. Um, six for 14 on the series. That's leadoff hitter type production. Is that sustainable? Probably not if we're being realistic, but um, it's not a perfect team. It's not a perfect team. We're going to get into some other aspects later on, on why it's not perfect, but We'll take what we can get. He's not lost at the plate. He's given you a decent at bat, and if he can, if he can be a two fifty, two sixty hitter, there, we'll take it. We'll take it. It really shows. It really shows when you see Verdugo slump, right? Which we saw about two weeks ago. We saw Verdugo really slump, and you go, "Oh God!" Like if we have, you know, Kike Hernandez isn't doing well, and Verdugo's not doing well, then we're in real trouble. But you see Kike kind of step it up. It gives Verdugo a chance to take some of that pressure off him uh, and hopefully makes him a better hitter in the long run as well. Absolutely. My stud for the series, I'm going to just go with Mr. Clutch, who didn't really have a great series until that final at-bat in the ninth inning. Three-run bomb by J.D. Martinez. Red Sox were losing 7-5. to five. As J.D. stepped into the batter's box, when he left the batter's box, the score was 8-7, to seven, and J.D. saved us, won, won us the series. We're, what, only tied for the division lead, I think, if if we don't come up we with this win We would be tied with Tampa. We would be tied, tied with Tampa. Tampa. Yeah, so a big, a big moment for J.D., and... I just want to say this because it it doesn't get said enough. He's not David Ortiz, and I know in the last episode I'm I'm I was expressing a little bit of surprise that Devers isn't drawing comparisons to Ortiz with how clutch he is. But JD Martinez in the three or four hole is a is a great guy to have in that area. We saw it in 2018. It's almost hard to imagine winning a World Series without David Ortiz with the big roles that he had in the previous ones. And you had J.D. step up that year, and we won a World Series in the post-David Ortiz era. And I'd like to think on a night like tonight, David Ortiz would have bailed us out, but here it is, J.D. Martinez. So um, love to see it. His bat was a little cool uh, this series, but in in the one moment where we really needed him, he came through. Job, thoughts on JD? Well, uh, I was telling you during the game uh, about the seventh inning when I sent you my studs and duds that 
he was going to be on my duds list. Um, and he bailed himself out with, with that home run, bailed out the team, got us, you know, kept us in first. Just one quick thing on him that I'm not loving to see. Over his last 30 games, he's hitting 292. Over his last 15, he's hitting 254. And right now he's hitting 260 in his last seven games. So he's he's cooled off a little bit. Um, and as the race tightens, we really need him to get hot again. I'm not saying he's going to hit 350 uh, for the rest of the season. But it, even if he has that clutch gene, that's not quite enough for me unless he's going to you know, hit a little bit better than he's hitting right now. Though the rest of the team is starting to pick it up. So if the rest of the team can pick up his slack, as long as somebody links, we'll be okay. Doug, thoughts on Martinez? Yeah, JD didn't have a great series, but all is forgiven when you you know hit that game-winning three-run home run. So I'm not going to get on him at all. Um, the average is a little concerning, but those home runs, we all know they come in bunches. So hopefully this is the start of a hot streak for JD. I don't worry about JD Martinez. He's one guy I just never worry about because I know what he's going to give us. He's going to he's always going to be you know, hit in the clutch for us. He always does it. So I'm not going to worry about him. But yeah, again, the average is a little concerning, but it, it is what it is with JD. Oh, you know, the, the strikeouts is what concerned me a little bit. He's got six strikeouts in his last seven games. Um, he's looked a little lost. But in that last home run, Terry, you mentioned how that was super clutch. Did it look to you like he swung that hard? Because no. to me, it looked like he just kind of flicked his wrist and the ball was in the bullpen. He, he I understand just... it's a minor league stadium, but that was awesome to see uh, because when he generates that kind of power to right center, it means he's going to get going pretty soon. And if he gets rolling the way that he was rolling at the start of the season, then we're going to be in really good shape down the stretch. I have a feeling by the time the year is all said and done, his batting average will start with a three. And his home run total will probably start with a three, uh, maybe a four if we're lucky. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm not too worried about it. Uh, let's see. The only well, the only other standout honorable mention, I guess, in the batting order, Job. You kind of touched on him already. Alex Verdugo. Five for 14 on the series, hit a home run in game two. Seems like since the the back issue started, that's when the slump started. And I, I think he's kind of pulled out of that and he's starting to fire on all cylinders. So um, love to see it. And we need him getting on base uh, as well as Kike when, when JD does come up and, and Xander as well. So good series for Alex Verdugo. Um, as far as the pitching went, uh, pitching was not very good, and we're going to get into that on the dud side, but we'll give Garrett Richards his due as an honorable mention. Six and two-thirds, seven hits, only gave up two earned run. Did walk four. Struck out five, but seemed to be in check uh, throughout the whole outing anyway. So, uh, and I'll admit, when I see Garrett Richards coming up, you know, in a pitching matchup, I'm not a Garrett Richards guy, but I don't spend a lot of time worrying about Garrett Richards anymore either. So, can we can we give Philippe Valdez a, a little uh, golf clap as well? There, one point one innings pitch, one hit. He's he's starting to be one of those guys that 
use him often, but when you use him, I really don't worry about his performance either. He's going to yeah, have to. I also to, like Philip Valdez a lot too. Yeah. His ERA coming into the series was 293, so it's a little under that down now. Down to a 2.7. 2.7. So, yeah, I mean, Cora's going to have to start using him more in high leverage and not these funky situations where we're ahead by a lot or behind by a lot. So I think we'll get into that um, you know, in, in a few minutes. episode a little bit um, or even on the dud side, but – on the dud side, Perry, if you don't mind if I make that transition, uh, my dud is the guy that I wanted for high leverage situations in this series. I thought this was his high leverage audition, if you will, um, and that's Sawimura. I thought Hiro had a chance to kind of take that role from Ottavino if he performed well in this series. He was not good tonight at all. Um, he gave off the lead. He gave up the leadoff triple. Uh, went 0.2 innings pitched, ended up with three hits, gave up the two runs, including the go-ahead run, uh, and walked the guy. So even though his splitter was there, uh, he didn't really get ahead in in the count against against hitters, and uh, he paid for it. I think that was really, like I said, his chance to take take the eighth inning role from Adovino, um, and he didn't manage to do that. Uh, So he's my dud for the series for sure. Doug, thoughts on Hero? Sawman. Yeah, I wanted. I was hoping Hero would be uh, taking over the eighth by now from Adovino, but if he's going to have outings like that, it's not going to happen. It was disappointing to say the least. You know, like like Job said, three hits, gave up two runs. His ERA is three point one eight, so it's not horrible. But when you're in those high leverage situations and this is what you're doing with it, you can't trust him. And so I'm looking for anybody at this point that we could trust in the eighth inning, and it's. Nobody's stepping up, and so that's disappointing to see. We just mentioned Valdez. I don't think Valdez is ready for that spot yet, but maybe we can see a little bit more of Valdez, and maybe down the road he'll be ready for that, but we'll see. But I guess, unfortunately for now, we still have Adovino in the eighth, and uh, it's just it's just tough to trust anyone in the eighth inning right now. I mean, you just got to get to Barnes, and it's just like at this point, it's like you're holding on for dear life just to get to Barnes. So Salamora was disappointing, to, st- to say the least, tonight. Yeah, I mean, that leadoff triple, Terry, I want to hear your thoughts on leadoff triple because that ballpark plays like a double-A ballpark or even a single-A high school ballpark. That's probably a fly ball out at Fed. Um, and it's a triple down there in Florida. So I don't know necessarily if people are holding that against him, but I, I was not impressed with his performance. What are your thoughts? Well, didn't Renfro bobble the, the ball a little bit? It should have been a double. I think it was a double and, and an error. So, um I was going to get to that uh, in a little bit, but um, yeah, it was just, it was a tough way to start the inning. And I just feel like he'll eventually get into a rhythm and then be one of our better high leverage guys. We didn't see him at all in the previous series against the angels. Jason pointed that out on the last show. So the bullpen's a problem. Like, whether it's Sawman, Ottavino, uh, Darwin's in, if one of our starters goes five innings, and that's what most of them do, Erod, Perez, Pavetta sometimes goes longer, but today it was five, um, Evoldi, five innings. How do you, How do you get three innings out of the rest of the bullpen to get to Barnes with a lead? 
this is a bad it, problem right now. It's a it's a puzzle, and we're missing several pieces. That's that's the way that I look at it, right? Is especially right now, the guys that you trust. Every time we do an episode, the list the list shrinks. The start of the season, the first two three weeks, the bullpen was the strength. It was the one part that we just kept. You know, instead of doing studs, it was the bullpen, and then who are the duds? You know, and uh, at this point, it's it's starting to be a, a stressful problem. I don't think that this is a a long-term issue for this bullpen. I think they have some guys out there who can do it. They just need to find the right combination. The ingredients have to go in order. And uh, we're coming up on that mark. Like I said, that 50-game mark where Cora starts to shake things up, I think we might see one less arm out there as we get closer, and uh, then we'll see have a little bit more of a picture of how Cora is going to use this bullpen down the stretch. I've never looked so forward to Ryan Brazier coming back, but he should be oh, back same. within a couple weeks. Um, but it, it's it's certainly been brutal. And one other thing before we move on, I'm also wondering if the constant juggling of of guys being mixed in and out is affecting these guys. Maybe. Maybe a guy needs to be told, you know what, you're going to be the eighth inning guy and you're going to be the seventh inning guy, and that's what you need to focus on coming into the start. Uh, because you know, I, I agree with you. I agree with you, Terry. I think a lot of guys are struggling to figure out where their innings are coming from, and they don't necessarily have the routine. They don't know when they're going to be needed. They don't know when they're going to be ready. I think part of the reason that you know Valdez, for example, hasn't seen a lot of innings is because you're juggling 13 arms out there and everybody's got to pitch every couple days. So you got to, no one's really seen a lot of innings except Barnes, um, you know, who's been phenomenal, but everybody else, it's like, we have to get them some work somewhere. So I'm, I'm hoping that as we shrink it, we kind of revise it. Maybe we'll whittle it down to a, a seventh inning guy, an eighth inning guy at Barnes. Yeah, and what, I just what, don't know if there's an eighth inning. Sorry. I just don't I don't know if there's an eighth inning guy on this roster right now. I don't trust Adovino at all. And it seems like I feel like that's what Cora is. Cora thinks it's Adovino and that's his guy in the eighth. And I don't see it. Uh he scares me every time he goes to pitch. And I, I don't know who else I would put in the eighth. I know you want to stretch Whitlock out eventually to make him a starter, so you can't make him your setup guy. So it's just like what do you do though if you're if you're Cora? Because that's what you have and that's what you're stuck with right now. So I don't know what they're going to do. Like I've been saying, I think the bullpen is definitely a thing that we need to target at the deadline, near the deadline. Who knows if they do that? Like you said, Ryan Brazier coming back. I've never looked, like you said, more forward to seeing him. So hopefully he can bring some stability in the bullpen. But right now it's just a struggle each and every night. Unless it's Matt Barnes, you're you're just, you know, you're nervous. If Brazier's on, he could certainly be an eighth inning guy. Hang on, one other, one last thing. Matt Barnes has never done this for a full season. He's never done it. And what happens if he does slip? And then and then Barnes isn't reliable for a few weeks or a month. Then how screwed are we? That that's how that's how dicey things are right now. And a bad bullpen could absolutely sink us for for the bulk of the season. That that you know, takes think, us from an think, eighty-eight win team, maybe down to an eighty-win team. Well, look at that—we have Perry above the eighty-win mark as the low <laughs> point, Doug. This is a great part of the season. I didn't think we got there. I, but, uh, officially, you know, I'm at Perry, seventy-eight, but that's fine. 
rising with the tide. Um, I think that there's some guys at AAA that they trust to be slot and go guys in the bullpen, Lizardo being one. Um, and then normally this is where I go, Andrew, who are the other guys, because Andrew knows all the guys at AAA um, and what their numbers are every given night. Um, Doug, I don't know if you follow the prospects all that much um, the way Andrew does, but I know there's some guys down there at AAA who could help us uh, that just we're trying to find 40-man roster spot for. I'm sure we'll get to talking about the 40-man roster at some point in in the next hour or so, either of you know this show or the next one. Um, but I think there's arms there that can help you. You just got to find out who, who they are. Find a way to get them on the 40-man because there's a big roster crunch right now on the 40-man. At least he got one solid month, uh, one solid month out of Matt Andrees, so that that's good. We got April out of him, and that's pretty much all we're going to see probably the rest of the week from him. So, Bizardo, uh, I'm just following up on it right now. Left the game the other night with an injury, but apparently it's only a lat strain, so that's better than an elbow problem. Uh, all right, so Joe bled off. Doug, who's your dud for the series? My dud for the series is Eduardo Rodriguez. Um, five innings, he gave up five runs on 11 hits. He struck out six. That's not awful. His ERA is now at 4.70 for the season. And I'm just starting to go grow concerned with him. Uh, he hasn't really looked good pretty much for the entire season. His velo was down early in the year. He's getting back up a little bit. His last four starts in the month of May, he's ERA is over six, one and two. He just gives up so many hits. His, his hits per nine is out at ten. He just hasn't looked right, like I said. It's just been a, it was a disappointing effort, uh, Erod. Um, hopefully, he turns it around quickly because he's a vital part to this ball club moving forward. You know, this guy's our you know our number two. He's our ace right now, and he's just not pitching like one. So, yeah, I got to go with Erod for my dud, unfortunately. Joe. Yeah, I think it's tough not to go with Erod. Um based on, you know, just his performance in this series. That was the one game that we were we had out of reach early. It was one of a very few games this series this season even that have felt like there wasn't really a competitive chance for the Sox to win at any point after the fourth inning. Um, so I understand that choice. I'm not concerned about Erod's long-term prospects. I am very happy that we didn't listen to general manager Terry Cushman about signing him to a long-term deal <laughs> in spring training, or especially when Terry was, you know, really on the horn after that first good start that he had, where he's saying the price is only going up from here because actually the price is going down right now. Um, as we watch this, it will come, it'll come back up a lot. I think as he, you know, gets healthy and starts to feel some rhythm in his every, you know, pitching every fifth day. But, Doug's right. He's had some injury problems with the dead arm and getting his velocity. And then after the COVID shot, he had a rough start. I'm not holding anything against him to this point, but we need a 3-7 out of him at the very least, not a 4-7 if we're going to make a playoff run with this team. He's got the worst earned run average on the team right now. Um, it, it's been a tale. He's started eight so far. He's made eight starts. And the first four have been drastically different from the second four. First four starts. And this is when the myocarditis thing might have been a factor. He pitched to a, a 3.52 ERA, 3.52, 
and had a 0.86 whip. That's borderline top of the rotation stuff for his first four starts. Let's go to a second four now. An even 6.00 ERA with an astronomical 1.85 whip. That's he's going to you the know who slaughterhouse. Those that sounds like <laughs> those numbers sound a lot like the numbers that Neston put up on the broadcast tonight for Steven Matz, who had a 197 ERA for his first three Blue Jays start and then and an eight ERA for his last four in a similar position with velocity. Um, not necessarily the same injuries, but I agree with you, Terry. I wonder if maybe they could find a a way to get him some six days off, you know, six days rest between starts uh, with some of these upcoming off days. If maybe they, you know, skip him in the rotation even um, one time through and everybody else goes on normal rest. I haven't looked down the schedule to see, you know, where his slotted starts would be and if that's even possible. But I'd like to see, you know, him get a couple of extra days off and see if maybe with, you know, six, seven days off if his arm, you know, revives a little bit. Well, his velo is starting to come back up a little bit. It's just he's not locating his pitches, any of his four pitches right now. And he's not wild. Like, he only had one walk, but they're just always in the middle of the plate, and he's he's getting slapped around. Yeah, they're not sharp. I think he's overthrowing a little bit, trying to get the velocity up because he, like everybody else, you know, I don't know if he listens to the Bastards of Boston baseball, but he listens to the media. <laughs> he, he checks his Twitter and he sees, oh my God, his velocity's down, concern, concern, red flag. And he knows that means his contract numbers are going down for next season and beyond. Um, so I guess is he's overthrowing a little bit, trying to hit his old velocity numbers. And while doing so, he's just losing a little bit of that sharp command that we're used to seeing from him. Uh, and he's missing middle of the plate. So I'm hoping that maybe if you get a little bit of rest, just kind of, even if Cora just talks to him and says, look, we don't need the Eduardo Rodriguez from 2019. We need the Eduardo Rodriguez from 2018 even, where he pitched to a 4-4. We don't, we don't need, you know, uh, an amazing stud at the top of the rotation right now. We just need to get through five every fifth day. The offense is going to give us a chance to win it. We're an offensive team. Uh, I'd be okay with a four a four two ERA rate. It's just frustrating because twenty nineteen the first two months weren't great, but the the last four months were. He finished sixth in the Cy Young, and those first four starts, like I outlined, was basically a continuation of twenty nineteen. And now he's just we're getting twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen, Eduardo Rodriguez, and. We we need him to to resolve that. You know, I don't know if that's a Dave Bush thing. I Veritek's been working a lot with the pitchers lately. Maybe you maybe try putting him with Kevin Pulecki for one start just to shake it up. I think they need to try different things because the more he gets knocked around, the more the bullpen's going to get knocked around because we're going to need them for extra innings as well. So, so I, I look at it, Terry, and I I see. In the upcoming in the upcoming couple of series, he's going to be slated to, to face Philly in that third game of that Philly series. So we wouldn't even be able to find a way to have, give him a day off in that you know in that stretch unless we skip somebody and somebody pitches on short rest, and that's not going to happen. So I, I went and mentioned that you know 
that Philly series. But if he's going to pitch the third game, he'd also be slated to pitch the first game against the Marlins, um, which is a 7-10 start on the 28th, um, which would be Friday. And I, I just don't see them skipping him in the rotation if it's an every-other-day thing. He just We need to get lucky. and he His start turning the rotation needs to fall on an off day. The next time that we see Eduardo Rodriguez after that Philly after that Marlins series is going to be against the New York Yankees in New York, and that's when you'll hear from me red flag time, or we can go back to being calm about Eduardo Rodriguez. He actually has good numbers at at Yankee Stadium, so um, ho- ho- he's got to resolve it by then. So. Let's see, it's on me now, right? My dud for the series, I'm going with Hunter Renfro. Uh, he was two for eight in the batter's box. That's 250. You, you can't complain about that a whole lot. But everybody's raved about the defense, and the defense was what was going to make it worth keeping him, regardless of his struggles in the batter's box. And he had a bad throw to Raphael Devers in uh, game one he tried to he tried to gun someone down from right field and the ball went over towards the um you know the the wall there and and the run ended up scoring not that not that Eduardo Rodriguez was going to be saved in that game like uh we were just saying but missed his mark there he got he got thrown out trying to leg out a double uh at second base he's not a good base runner from what I've seen. He's had some base running blunders. He's gotten caught sleeping off of first base uh, at, at one point. And uh, tonight that hit, I think it was, might've been Simeon. He basically just, and I got cut off. So he basically, Hasn't had a very good uh, defensive uh, last few games, and we need him to be a lot better defensively. So I just got bounced out of the Zoom chat, so trying to get back in it, just bear with me. Um, For some reason, it's always the midweek show that I uh, start having these issues, so. Which is kind of awkward, if, uh, if I'm being completely honest. So, reinitiating that right now. Um, pitching was not good in the uh, for much of the series, really. Uh, games one and three, we had Rodriguez obviously get slapped around. Matt Andres just continues to to not pitch very well. He had a three-inning outing, basically finished the game after Rodriguez and gave up three runs, seven hits, just looks absolutely terrible in there. And um, I really don't know what his long-term future is. Right now it would have to be uh, mop-up duty (laughs) by the looks of it because – he was extremely reliable as as a long reliever coming in. If someone had a short outing 
Andres would would be one of the guys aside from Whitlock. And unlike Whitlock, you could kind of use Andres a little bit more. So Red Sox don't have uh, a lot of long-term, long relief options aside from him. Uh, Pavetta tonight, it's, it's hard to get on him, but he, he gave you five innings, seven hits. It looked like he was recovering from that, uh, bad first inning where he gave up three runs, but, uh, kind of fell apart in that fifth inning, which led to the game being tied. So, um, not great there on the part of Pavetta. So... The other guys just aren't uh, joining me. I sent an invite, so trying to get these guys back in. Unfortunately, we do this live. I don't uh, do a lot of editing, so um, doing the best I can to try to to try to get these guys back, but. Uh, let's see. I'm just trying to wing it right now until they do. Um, Michael Chavis kind of had a, an up and down series. Um, got got on the base pass. He had an error tonight on the um, on the uh, second base. Bogarts tried to flip a ball to him. That was when I think Pavetta in the fifth inning and. He ended up dropping the ball, or maybe that was with Salamora, my bad. And basically, basically the inning continued, another run scored, and then and then Toronto was up by uh two runs. So Chavis ended up recovering with a couple of other plays. They turned a key double play uh, later on and didn't seem to let the, uh, that drop ball, uh, you know, affect him at all. So I am just going to move into the series preview here. I'll have to pull that up. Normally uh, I rely on the other guys to do it. I apologize for this right now. Um, I don't know if my Wi-Fi is cut out and they're just not getting it, but, oh, here's Job right now. (laughs) Oh, there you are, Terry. Yeah, sorry. I've been talking to myself and stumbling. The audience uh, probably was like, Cushman's just not having it together right now. So I basically just crapped on Andres and uh, mentioned the... Uh, the Chavis error when he dropped the ball from Bogart. So I basically got us all the way through the um, the dishonorable. Oh, the so dishonorable mentions. Yeah. So Perfect. we'll just get right into the Philly series and hopefully not have uh, any more uh, issues. So uh, game one for the series. I'm guessing that's a nope. That's Martin Perez versus Aaron Noah. So. Noah, their ace for the last few years, having a pretty decent year, 364 ERA, striking out a lot of guys, and uh, coming off of a, excuse me, I thought it was a uh, nine-inning shutout. 
He's actually uh, Nola's actually been getting tuned up. Four point five eight ERA in his last uh, five starts. So apparently, we're catching him at the right time. Yeah, he has not been good in his last couple of starts. Uh, specifically, Milwaukee. He went six innings, only gave up one run. So that's probably what you're thinking of. His last start, he was pretty good. Uh, but before that, he went four innings against a very good Atlanta team. Five hits, five runs, one walk, only four strikeouts in that game. The strikeout numbers have been down. And his start, even before that, he went six and two-thirds, but he gave up nine hits. So he's not he's not been great, um, but he's been better of, of late than he has been on the season. He's been getting shelled a little bit. Um, our offense should be able to keep up with him at this point. I'm a little bit worried about the fact that, again, he's a righty. Red Sox are, are slightly better against righties. We're fourth in the league against righties, but the people who aren't good against righties are the bottom of the lineup. Uh, the bottom third of the lineup is not good against right-handed pitching, and so that worries me a little bit because even if the top six guys are hitting, the bottom of the lineup is three automatic outs, especially with you know the pitcher hitting. We're one, we're one position thinner in the lineup. It's going to be a struggle to score runs. So I, I hope we win that game. Yeah. And it looks like we have our, you know, quote unquote, a bullpen. We'll be ready for that game, so I'm not necessarily worried, but I don't necessarily think we win that game. And Martin Perez seems to have that one inning every start where he get thirty pitches to get out of it. Of yeah, so yeah. hopefully, so Job, you're you're leaning towards the Phillies in that start. I'm leaning towards the Phillies a little bit, but. You know, who knows? I know a lot of people will be listening to our next episode as well. There's some shakeup coming. Uh, we'll talk about those. There might be some roster moves before that series opener. So I might be singing a different tune by the time first pitch um, comes around. But right now, I think I'm leaning towards a loss for that game one. Doug, uh, what's your prediction so, for game so, one? So optim- optimistic Doug is kicking in, and I think we're actually going to win tomorrow. I just have a good feeling about Perez tomorrow. I don't know why I shouldn't because you got our, you know, our fifth starter going against their ace, but I just have a weird feeling about tomorrow's game. Um, I had like, we were talking about Aaron Nola hasn't been all that impressive this year. Our bats, you know, I, Devers is due for a big series. You know, like we said, Dahlbeck has been heating up. So hopefully we can get it done. I just have a good feeling about tomorrow's game. Like I said, I don't know why, but I do. So I'm going to give us a win tomorrow. All right. I'm going to. I'll lean towards a win as well. Mr. Negative will uh, will go for a win there. In game two, Nathan Avaldi has been up and down. It's been a roller coaster the last four starts. It's been bad start, good start, bad start, good start. He's going up against Chase Anderson, who got lit up in one and one-third innings. Yeah, gave up seven yeah, runs in his awful. last outing, so... Um, without getting too far into it, I'm just going to assume Avoldi won't be that bad, and that looks like a very winnable game. I think so, too, and I think there might also be a bullpen game for Philly. Um, I, I just have it, I have it pitched out as they probably won't need that many bullpen arms in game one. Um, they'll probably rely on their starter for six and a half, you know, six and two-thirds, maybe seven innings in game one. So game two, I'd expect it to be more of a bullpen game. That works in our favor uh, for game two. I think that's going to win. That's a seven fifteen game too, so that's nice. Yeah, we'll on be, Fox, we'll be able to see it prime time. Yeah, uh, Sunday. I that you would think that might be a Sunday night 
uh, ESPN matchup, Eduardo Rodriguez versus Zach Wheeler, but it will be a 105 start. And Wheeler having a very good year. He's been very good his whole tenure so far with the Phillies. And I'm just, Erod, there's, hasn't given us a lot of reasons to pick him. I'm just straight up going with the Phillies game three. As am I. I agree. Uh, I look at it and I think this is probably a game where we win this one on the back of Eduardo Rodriguez. I'm going the other direction. The reason I say <laughs> that is I look at the last three starts. I know, I, I know this is total reversal of roles here, Terry. Um, but I'm looking at the last three starts for Zach Wheeler. He pitched a nine-inning shutout, three hits against Milwaukee. He pitched six innings, eight hits against Washington, and seven innings, five hits against Miami. Neither Washington or Miami is A, healthy, or B, as potent of an offense as us. And if there's a team that you want to face as a pitcher right now, it's the Milwaukee Brewers without Christian Yelich. That team is lost offensively. So them putting up three hits, getting Shundo hit, does not, you know, or shutout rather, does not bother me as a Red Sox fan looking at this series. I think we probably put up anywhere between seven to ten hits, four runs, and we win this game four to two. I'd love to see it, and that that would mean Rodriguez had a bounce back, and I I think we all want to see that. So Harper, Real Muto, Gene Segura, Reese Hoskins, all having pretty good offensive years, so they could certainly punish our pitching staff if they're not sharp. So this is a very interesting series, and the Phillies could do some damage this year. They had a little bit of drama last weekend with Joe Girardi and Gene Segura had kind of a brouhaha. And then Girardi had a meltdown uh, in the post-game press conference, which isn't the first or seventh time that's even happened. So, um, so we'll, we'll see, but they're, they're a team to watch this year and um, two, two first place teams going at it. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, I guess on that note, we will wrap uh, 24 hours after this uh, episode posts the next episode, Red Sox deep dives will come out and we've got tons of, of deep topics to go over uh, on that episode. Uh, for instance, how does Danny Santana fit? What's his role going to be? What's his upside? Who's not going to be with the Red Sox due to him uh, getting activated? We're going to talk about the odd man out once Chris Sale gets activated. Tough decision there. Maybe maybe someone gets reassigned a different role, but uh, certainly a deep topic. And we're going to get into who we fear most in this division in the next episode. So... Um, should be action-packed, and it will be available 24 hours after this one. Take care, everyone.